0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. But you don't wait, like we said, if they're going inside the bar and taking tequila shots with somebody.
1: Yeah, and they might leave in a taxi with them in another direction.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome or welcome back to Talking Ship Podcast 2021. I'm Megan Fitzgerald, and if you're just joining us for this particular season, this is Talking Ship. We use our favorite, or sometimes our least favorite, fictional TV relationships to help us dissect and discuss the non-fictional relationship themes in our very real lives, because sometimes things just make more sense to us when we can reframe them a little bit, and if we can reframe them... In a telenovela-style TV show with brightly colored costumes and incredibly hot people, that just makes life a little bit better. So that's what we're trying to do with this particular season. Speaking of we, I'd at this point like to introduce my guest co-host for this season of the podcast. Each season, I bring on someone new and exciting to change up the perspectives. So this season, I am so excited to bring on actress musician, and my very good friend, Jimena Medina. Hello. Hello.
1: Oh my gosh. This is so exciting.
0: I'm so excited to have you. I mean, this will be great because you're someone that I feel like I talk about. We ha- already talk about this show pretty openly, and we also already talk about our relationships pretty openly. Um, but just give, just give the listeners, I guess, a little, a little brief introduction to you and your love life and the kind of, uh, you know, the takes that you will be bringing.
1: Totally, um, I am a hopeless romantic so hopelessly (laughs) so lost in this world um and I've never been in like a serious uh long relationship but I think that comes out of like wanting super romantic telenovela moments all Mm. the time I'm honestly always looking for it if somebody like bumps into me I'm like oh my god my soulmate so So just I am absurd
0: (laughs) yep yep this is partially why I knew you'd be the perfect person to talk about this couple with
1: I'm so excited.
0: And Jimena, I forget because I started watching this show. I mean, it must have been before it was before we met because the show was on so long ago. Did you watch this show as it was coming out or did you binge it? Talk to us about your relationship with Jane the Virgin.
1: I binged the first season and then I started watching it in real time. Mm -hmm. I was in my senior year of high school it was like perfect because I feel like Michael and Raphael were both my dream opposites, kind of. Like I had the dream that like mm-hmm. the bad boy slash like hot guy would like change for me. And then I also had the dream of like just the sweet, loving, best friend relationship.
0: That's true. And I feel like that actually holds up into your adult life Absolutely, the two, <laughs> two of your uh, strongest types.
1: I could not relate to her more. I loved living vicariously through
0: her. I think you have to understand Jane to talk about this couple with any empathy and to have like been there because I'm sure to people who are not romantics, Jane seems like an absolute crazy person. Absolutely nuts. So let's move into kind of priming our listeners on Jane and Michael, who we are talking about, as you all know, because you clicked on the episode. (laughs) So as always, when we talk about shows on this podcast, we do end up spoiling a lot of the plot. And while there are some TV shows and couples where talking about the relationship doesn't spoil too much of the heavy plot, in this show, the relationships are the plot. And in order to really talk about this couple and kind of acknowledge the elephant in the room we are going to essentially have to spoil the entire thing right away and this is a show that is so good and so fun and if you haven't watched it i truly do recommend going back and binging it and it's entirely as spoiler free as possible because the twists and turns are really like what makes the show the show so i fully understand if you want to go you know Turn on your Girls Gotta Eat. Turn on your uh, uh, Brene Brown and (laughs) flip podcast just for a second. Um, And I'm just going to vamp for a moment to give you a second to do so if you don't want the whole show spoiled. I was listening to something the other day and they were like, we're going to talk about the undoing and we're going to spoil it. So, you know, skip five minutes ahead if you don't want to be there. Anyways, the killer is blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I Uh, have no time to flip. So now now I know how the undoing ends. Uh, So if anyone wants to talk to me about that, uh, let me know. Okay. Anyways, I think that was enough time. I think everyone's gone. (laughs) So the elephant in the room is that, of course, Jane and Michael do not end up together. They're the first couple that we're covering that don't like really, really end up together. So for some of you, the question might be, Megan, Megan, (laughs) why are you doing Jane and Michael? You should be doing Jane and Raphael because they're end game. I don't have anyone that talks like that in my life. I'm sorry. Uh, If you felt personally attacked, it's not you. And here's why we're covering Jade and Michael. It's because uh, partially, partially, because Brett Deere is uh, my exact type. And we're starting 2021 with some manifesting. I mean, don't
1: you think? I think it's brilliant. I'm all about manifesting. Look, I, I fall right into that category of new year, new me. Like, let's get it started.
0: Yeah, we're bringing that big pink energy. Let's get it started.
1: Oh, Michael Cordero is truly, Megan, where our types align. It is the meeting portion in the Venn diagram where it's like, these uh-huh. are the similarities.
0: <laughs> what do you think's on your side of the Venn diagram and what's on mine that we don't overlap with?
1: We do like guys that have a good sense of humor. We like probably dorkier guys. Yeah,
0: dorkier, goofier. But I think
1: that there is this part of me that likes uh, like douchier.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I need someone I can like fix a
1: little bit. yeah. I usually go for the ones that can fix me. And and it's completely, it's not my choice. It's just the way it goes.
0: (laughs) No, same. Would love to not be this way. But unfortunately, here I am. Also, just this will be the first episode I'm ever recording directly after therapy. So we're, it's gonna, you know, we're just gonna see how that goes for me.
1: We're gonna have some great revelations, some big moments. (laughs)
0: We're going to be unraveling as we go. Um, So yes, we're starting with Jane and Michael because obviously we love Brett Deer, Brett Dyer, sorry, Brett. And um, we love Michael Cordero. And also because the Jane and Michael relationship offers so much to learn from. And of course, everyone, we will go back one day and we will talk about Jane and Raphael too. If we start with Jane and Michael, it will be easier to then go back and talk about Jane and Raphael because... Listen, this show is busy. This busy. show is packed. So we need some groundwork to work upon. And the groundwork has to be Jane and Michael. You know, if you're Team Raphael, don't worry. Don't go anywhere. I think this is still worth listening to. We'll be back. We'll come. We'll circle back around to you. But as we just discussed, I think for my personal preference, I am personally a Team Michael person. So, you know, I just feel like everyone should know that yeah. as we go into it.
1: I think that's great. I Now that we're telling our truth. Yes. Speak your truth. Oh, I'm speaking my truth. I thought I was a team Michael my entire life. Mm -hmm. And now I'm extremely conflicted. Rewatching it has opened my eyes. And maybe it's because I have this, like, dream that a Raphael type will want me and, like, change for me. Maybe that's it. But I... Mm -hmm. I think I'm team Raphael. I think I've changed. And I get it because
0: she changes. And... I think that is an important Is one of the many important lessons is that we change our perspective changes. It love looks different at every age in your life. And that's, you know, why we have to talk about both Jane and Michael and Jane and Raphael. So I think that'll be good that you're team. Raphael. Absolutely.
1: And I think that it's subject to change. I feel I think I'm going to go back and forth for a bit. I'm finally going to have a dis- like a set decision on who I want at the end.
0: Okay, great. Everyone stay tuned. Follow us through our journey.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, that was very, uh, this works out well because that was a little, uh, stay tuned, feels a little announcery. And in this next section, I'm going to give everybody a summary of the part of the plot that we will be talking about today just to refresh everyone's memory. And I just need to state at the top that the uh, announcer and Jane the Virgin, Anthony Mendez, is probably the best announcer who does the... Uh, most inspired plot recaps, I think, of all of television, and mine will not be that. Mine <laughs> uh, will be the white girl version of Anthony Mendez. I'll be like, ready? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Five, six, seven, eight. 23-year-old aspiring romance writer and virgin, Jane Villanueva, lives in Miami, Florida with her grandmother, Alba, and her mother, Zoe. When we meet her, she has been with her detective boyfriend, Michael Cordero, for two years, and they are on the brink of engagement. Jane goes in for a standard pap smear and is accidentally artificially inseminated inseminated with the sperm of Rafael Solano, a rich hotelier who she happened to, to have had a romantic kiss with five years ago. When Michael proposes to Jane... She tells him she is pregnant. Over the next few episodes, Jane struggles with her decision to keep the baby at all, to be a part of its life, or to give it over to Raphael and his wife, Petra. Michael has no desire to raise another man's baby, but eventually tells Jane he supports her decision no matter what, and they get engaged Jane agrees to give Raphael and Petra the baby because she wants the baby to have a two-parent household, something she didn't have, though her father has recently reappeared in her life after 23 years. Michael finds out through his work as a detective that Petra is having an affair. He keeps this information from Jane, trying to ensure that she still gives the baby away to Raphael and Petra. And as Jane and Michael's wedding approaches, Jane fights her feelings for Raphael, but eventually finds out what Michael has hid from her and calls off the wedding. Jane and Raphael, in turn, begin their own romantic relationship. And all of that is in with like the first seven episodes. Oh my gosh. So uh, there's a lot going on in the first season, and we're going to really deep dive into the love triangle aspect next episode, but there's still enough to unpack without that. And we thought that A Love Triangle really deserves its own full episode. But before we get into kind of our big topic that we want to talk about today, we're going to go into relatable content. Woo! I love a woo. I'm a wooer. She's a woo girl. This is relatable content, and we're just going to kind of Help everybody identify if they might be able to relate to Michael and Jane in this, you know, first part of the series. So you might be in a Michael and Jane situation if you're on a ship that has been relatively smooth sailing up until now. Truly, it feels from what we've seen in the flashbacks, from the way they discuss it, there has been no major conflicts in their relationship. Everything has gone according to plan. Up until this point. they're almost too perfect. You know. Yes. Yeah.
1: You may be in a Jane and Michael situation if you are very indecisive and always seem to be caught between what is versus what could be. You can't really see what's in front of you. You can't see what you have, but oh my gosh, what could you could have is so desirable.
0: It, Jane is big Pisces energy. For all my Pisces out there, we spend a lot of time daydreaming. I don't know if Sagittarius is I know, too. No, I
1: mean but- I do. <laughs> That's what I do most of my days. <laughs> I can have a whole imaginary relationship that will take every different scenario. And by the time I meet the person, I'm like, uh, I'm over it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've already lived this out in my fantasies a hundred times. And let me tell you, the sex was better in my family. <laughs> okay. You may be in a Jane and Michael situation. If one person You know, one member of the party goes through a major life shift, and the relationship now has to adapt in major ways. This is like, you know, the whole thing we're talking about today, but Jane is going through so much. And it's kind of Michael's job to get on board. And sometimes that happens in a relationship where one person will have a lot of things happen at once. And if you want to be a good partner, you kind of have to get on board. And that's easier said than done. And that's what we're going to discuss today.
1: Absolutely. You may be in a Jane and Michael situation if one of you is supportive of one's decisions but end up feeling somewhat resentful. Maybe mm-hmm. you give a little bit too much and don't feel like you're getting anything in return.
0: Yeah, almost like you have to convince yourself that you're fine with all of these concessions that you're making.
1: Yeah, or, and sometimes you don't even realize it. Sometimes it's like, no, mm-hmm. I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then as time passes, you're like, wait, that, that's not fine. I'm not okay with this.
0: Yeah. Um this is kind of reiterating what you said, but I think this happens in um our non-fictional lives too. We're sometimes in a relationship one person is a lot more romantic, one person is a wildly romantic person, which sometimes leads into living in a fantasy world instead of actually dealing with reality. Yeah. Before we really get into the main relationship topic I want to talk about today, We have to talk about Jane and Jane's approach to love because it is very specific. And I feel like it's important to start with Jane's general take on love and on life because it colors the whole show and what choices she makes. And obviously... You know, you could argue this is true of every character on television, but it's especially true of Jane the Virgin because, you know, she is a romance l- writer and obsessed with telenovelas and that's part of the style of the show. And while, yes, the whole, you know, consent of the show is that the show is larger than life and, you know, her situation and her choices are larger than life. I do think in a lot of ways, Jane is really just like a heightened version of as we said, of us, of all of us who identify as romantics.
1: And she says it in the first episode, I think, where she says, oh, telenovelas have ruined romance for me. I think she also mm-hmm. sort of, like, enjoys a little bit of drama. Because mm-hmm. she, she, she wants the story. She wants the uh, She wants the story. She wants, she likes the stakes. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that's
1: often found in, like, her conflict with, like, the what if.
0: And in, in a way... She is a perfect person to look for, for, you know, the people who are listening to this podcast, which are probably people who are fans of TV romance, because in the same way that so many of us are like, this couple ruined romance for me, like telenovelas ruined romance for her. And I think we see a lot of our, you know, over romantic tendencies in Jane. Yeah we're all guilty of being a little bit overly romantic at some point, even if we don't identify as a romantic. Like, how many times have you had, like, a great kiss or this, like, weird coincidental similarity or you meet somebody in this amazing way and we're like, it's fate.
1: Oh, my gosh. I did it last night. I (laughs) went on Facebook and I listened to this guy that I, like, went to, like, elementary school with. He... He released a single and I heard his single Mm -hmm. and it was so good. And I messaged him and then he answered and I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, he did answer. And I left it closed ended kind of so he didn't feel like he had to, but he answered and he, and we started catching up and my, my mind was just going all over the place. I was like, okay, oh my gosh, this is so fun. And what a quarantine story. I had to really tell myself like, no, no.
0: Yeah, just because this song spoke to me doesn't mean he's my soulmate. And yeah, like, even if you're a rational person, like, I feel like I'm a pretty rational person. But earlier this year, I um, met this guy and I was in a specific frame of mind. It was the day Joe Biden won the election, which I think was like, literally will go down as one of the best days of my life. There's literal dancing in the streets. And we keep making eye contact and eventually he comes up to me and we chat. It's cute. He gets my number and I'm walking away and everyone's like celebrating in the park. And then on the path in front of me, literally like 10 feet in front of my face, a firework goes off on the path. And I (laughs) was like, I mean, there are literal sparks. Like, I think I just met my husband. (laughs) Sparks are flying. Sparks are literally flying. 20% of me was like, this is my husband. And I think uh, that is how Jane operates 400% of the time. She is constantly looking for signs. But I think, you know, to her credit and to all of our credits, to all of us romantics out here listening to podcasts about TV show relationships and Fantasizing about relationships. Sometimes we question her decisions. We question her decision to go from relationship to relationship or to date the man whose baby she's carrying. What I do appreciate about her is that you have to be really brave to wear your heart on your sleeve right like that. And you have to be really vulnerable to be in touch with your feelings in that way. And you know, as Cheryl Strade says, you will learn a lot from yourself if you stretch in the direction of goodness, of bigness of kindness, of emotional bravery. Be a warrior for love. And Jane is that. She is a warrior for love. Even if it's sometimes problematic, that's what she is. And there's something beautiful about that too.
1: I like to think there is. (laughs) I feel like- (laughs) Let's hope. (laughs) Otherwise, what are we doing? She always acknowledges her feelings. Mm -mm. And I think that's so important. Because if you don't acknowledge your feeling, then you just become all pent up and, and frustrated. I just, I don't know how people do that.
0: Yeah, I think she's, in a lot of ways, she sets a really good example for how to be in touch with your feelings. And we don't get a lot of plots we would get on other TV shows of people bottling something up and then exploding, you know, like Meryl Streep at the table at Big Little Eyes, where she just... <laughs> screams like jane jane would never do that jane's already working through her feelings
1: yeah and actually something that i remembered jane is so sure of herself in so many things or so maybe not sure of herself but so okay with being the way she is mm-hmm. and i remember being in high school like seeing this show being like oh my gosh she's a virgin and he still loves her and i was like i still was had not had a boyfriend Mm -hmm. but I still had this insecurity and the way that Jane doesn't I just I was I was taken aback and also taken aback by the fact that he would date her I had this horrible idea of men where I was like there is no way anyone would ever but that's just something society did to my head and she is so emotionally brave but not always emotionally intelligent I like was thinking about that I was like Mm -hmm. wow brave, but not very smart sometimes.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let's get into kind of the big relationship topic that we're going to speak about today. As we said, there's a lot going on in this show. There's a lot to unpack and there's a a lot that's relatable and a lot that's not. Um, We're not out here being like... All my girls who were artificially inseminated, (laughs) come listen to this podcast because we have a relatable story for you. Um, If you were, I'm so sorry. And I'm glad you're here. And uh, (laughs) we'd love to chat more. Send us a DM. But no, we don't think that many people who were accidentally artificially inseminated are listening. That doesn't actually happen. Here's what does happen people who are in super happy, loving relationships do have. Crazy or dramatic or traumatic things happen in their life that change everything. In the case with Michael and Jane, yes, there's artificial insemination, but really, if we want to like break it down to non-fictional things, she's pregnant. Her dad returns to her life. There's murders in her workspace, which, all right, maybe that's a little (laughs) novella-y. But so if you're Jane and your life has suddenly shifted in all of these huge ways, I think it would cause you to reevaluate everything, including your relationship. And I think if you're Michael and the person that you saw a very clear future with, with a pretty clear path has had their whole world rocked and they may now even want to be with someone else. They're questioning everything. So how do you on either side deal with this idea of one half of the relationship, having their whole world shifted and, and how that might include, a change in perspective about your relationships and what you want so let's just start before we get into like jade and michael specifically let's just talk about this this generally
1: as a theme i'm just Mm -hmm. like looking at the world today and i feel like and i don't want to call people out or anything but i feel like right now a lot of people are probably going through this the pandemic like, huge example, everyone's moving home or moving different places. Like, lives are changing, left and right, everywhere. And I feel like like maybe, you know, people are moving back home and staying in relationships. But, like, now people have different hobbies. I think right now, probably, a lot of people are having these moments of, like, should I stay with them or should I not? It's time for change.
0: It's time for change. And, yeah, I mean, we definitely know people who are... <laughs> asking themselves that question probably every day. I think the pandemic has changed not only like our situations but also how we view the world. And I think anything that happens to us that changes who we are as a person and how we view the world gives us cause to kind of, you know, reevaluate our relationships, all of them, not necessarily just romantic ones. Change is the only constant thing in life. So, of course, our relationships are going to change. And I think about things in my life that have shifted me as a person in a relationship, either. Did not survive or wouldn't have survived, or at least needed to be reevaluated. And there are things that happen to a lot of people. Like going to college definitely shifted me as a person, and I would also say going to acting school, which is cheesy and for a niche crowd, but I think any any like program that you go through something that's like emotionally intensive, which could be grad school, it could be I would say a medical residency. It could be going abroad. I could even be like a wellness retreat, hiking the PCT. When you're doing like your wild or your eat, pray, love moment, the thing that emotionally cracks you open, it causes you to reevaluate the way you've been living your life and your habits and your priorities and your values. And sometimes through that evaluation, a relationship still belongs there. And sometimes it doesn't. And for me, when I went through, you know, acting school, my relationship didn't belong there. And I think, you know, for other people, this could look like having a loved one die, losing a job, relocating a huge career move, either a positive one or a negative one, being estranged by a family, any huge medical condition, even if it's not artificial insemination. Like these are all things that aren't necessarily relationship enders, but I think they are events that require a lot of your emotional time and energy And there are events that could very possibly shift who you are. So, you know, we're not saying breaking up is always the answer, but maybe, you know, pushing up your wedding and going ahead with a wedding in six weeks isn't the answer.
1: It's not. I'm just thinking back now. I had this moment with a friend. I was moving and they just weren't being supportive, and the relationship was no longer benefiting either of us, I think. I think it was just Mm -hmm. like, probably hurting us more. We wanted each other to be a certain way that we weren't. And I guess we broke up, me and the said friend.
0: No, friendship breakups are real. Yeah, I'm not saying, and I, I don't know that I think Jane and Michael had to break up, but I understand why it happened because things weren't handled well or could have been handled better that I think Led to their breakup and her turning to Raphael. So let's talk about, let's start by talking about what they did not do well and what we can learn from that. And so there's two sides to this there's the Jane half of the relationship, the one who's going through all the change. And then there's the Michael half of the relationship, who is the person who's trying to be a supportive partner while all the change is happening. So, let's start with Jane and the things that she did not handle very well and how and what what we can learn from those things.
1: Oh gosh, we could learn so much. I feel I just thinking about being on either side makes me ill. <laughs> thinking of just I can't imagine like Jane goes through so much change. I would have already like just pushed Michael away so far. But part of me feels like the first thing I'm going
0: to say is that she doesn't take as much space as she probably should have not at all the first thing i think that was a misstep for them is that you know so he proposes then they find out about the pre- that she's pregnant and then she goes and proposes again to him she she goes back to the police station and it's this you know beautiful romantic scene with her in a yellow dress which just sets the color palette for the whole show <sighs> And she goes, she proposes to him and she says, I'm confused about everything in my life except you, which, you know, to us romantics out there Aww. on first glance, we're like, that's a beautiful line. And if someone said that to me, I'd be like, please just throw me against a wall. Really? I'm ready.
1: <laughs> and, <laughs> but if we really examine what that means. it just seems very much on the same line as when like somebody wants to keep you around yeah, it's not healthy. And no, it's it's very much like the, which I've been through maybe, one, maybe twice, I don't know, but the, um, you're perfect, I'm just not dating right now. Right. Which is like, that is fully just to keep the person tagging along and waiting, and it's not going to end well. Yeah, it's like Jane's
0: life is a mess, and you can feel that way, you can want... Michael on your team, especially like he wants to be your life partner. You can feel that way and you can want him to be there in your life and help you get through this. But putting the unnecessary pressure of an engagement on a wedding on top of it is, it's a proposal that's coming out of, as you're saying, it's coming out of the mess. It's coming out of the desperation. And it's a proposal that feels like it's trying to prove something. Like I'm confused about everything except you. Isn't the solid ground to build a marriage on. Yeah. If I'm getting married, I want you to be sure about some other things. Otherwise, like, this is headed for disaster. It's like,
1: it's slightly dishonest. And the thing is, we know Michael throughout, like, we really get to know him. And he would have, I think, understood if she was like, I have a lot going on right now. Which is why it just, it's so baffling that she wouldn't just tell him that. Because I think she knows that too. She's well aware of the where he stands and how in love with her she he is. So no need for that. But I guess that has to do with the uncertainty in her life.
0: Right. And I think we do this, you know, in our non-fictional lives, we're like, everything's kind of a mess. And the one thing that I am sure about, I'm going to like put my stake in it and I'm going to put all of my happiness and security is now going to be on this one thing. And that's putting way too much pressure on the one thing, especially when like everything else is so unstable it wasn't it wasn't fair to the relationship to put that kind of pressure on it yeah
1: absolutely and I think that dishonesty goes into like the next point just when sh- she breaks things off with Michael it's I think it's a, it comes out of like not wanting to be honest with herself either because she feels mm-hmm. guilt mm-hmm. she feels guilt for feeling the way she does about Raphael so she doesn't want that to be the reason that she ends it with Michael but but it's not fair to Michael.
0: No, and I I just don't think it's fair. So for those who haven't watched in a while, when she breaks up with Michael, she kind of vaguely cites that things have just changed and something's different, but she doesn't really... The real reason, probably core reason of why she's breaking up with him is because she's having feelings of Raphael. And he's so confused. He doesn't understand that. And I think anytime we're ending a relationship and we don't acknowledge the huge reason why... I don't know, maybe people will disagree with me, but I feel like it kind of leaves someone feeling gaslit. And, you know, it wasn't just like a random guy she only dated for a few months. That's fine. That's not worth it. But this was someone you were going to marry. It just leaves him so confused. And I think leaving any relationship in a like what the fuck happened place is unfair if you've been dating someone for that long.
1: Absolutely. And I think it just doesn't, it leaves no room for closure. It would have helped him. (laughs) deal with the break totally much better instead of it being like wait i'm confused as to what happened we were so happy together oh she's just not telling him how she really feels i mean but then also would he really want to hear i have feelings for Raphael who i just met you know
0: i i get that that's where it's like maybe messy he eventually did find out he was going so then to he was always going to find out so then to leave him for you know the few weeks that he did feeling holding out hope that she would change her mind and feeling confused. Like, I just think it always sucks in a relationship when you don't get closure and people will spend years trying to find their own closure. It's traumatizing. It's traumatizing. So if you know the reason, and we don't always know the reason why we break up with somebody, but she did. Mm-hmm. And as much as she was trying to deny it to her herself, she, she truly did. And so I think it, I think it sucked to, to not tell him. And I felt bad for little Michael. Yeah, poor guy. That being said, Michael is not perfect in this situation either. So let's move into the things he did, I think, incorrectly in this situation. Um, And part of it is that she's the one that's going through everything. And, you know, at various times in our lives, our partner will be the one that has more going on in their lives. But he plays the victim. And there's something she says in in season one, episode four, they're talking about marriage. And she says, there are going to be bumps in the road and we have to get them and we have to get through them together. And so far through this baby, it doesn't feel like we have. And she's right. He has made the whole thing about how unfair it is to him and how hard it is for him. And listen, it is. He's having to get on board with a lot. But. No matter how much you have to deal with Michael, she is the one that has to deal with more. It is her body. It is her child. It is her father. It is her mother lying to her. Like, she still has more going on than you do. And you need to be aware of that.
1: I think there's, like, I get this sense throughout watching it that he's just kind of, like, like throwing a little tantrum.
0: Yeah, he's pouty. I'm
1: like, you are 25 years old. Yeah, it's
0: never attractive to throw a a temper tantrum, whether you're two or you're 48. It's never good luck. No. So, and you know, this goes along with, with the pouting. He doesn't handle this well. He's obviously terrified at the idea of raising somebody else's baby, but he manipulates the situation knowing full well what Jane wants. And this is when he lies about Petra having the affair because he knows that if Jane knew about the affair, she'd want to keep the baby herself and raise it. Again, we understand the hesitancy, but if you want to marry her, which is at this point what you've committed to do, this is what partnership fucking is. Like, especially because everything has gone according to plan up until this point in their relationship. This is the first big relationship test and a relationship, a marriage, a partnership is not always going to look like the way you thought it would in fact it will never never look the way you thought it would you got to get on board you got to get on board even if it's not smooth sailing
1: If he would have told her, yeah. which I know is hard and uh, hey I probably I hate confrontation so I struggle with this the most but <laughs> when he finds out about Petra, if he just told her it would make her life a little bit more difficult she would have to you know make another decision but she would be so grateful yes. she would be so grateful to know and that's when you could have
0: proved yourself as a lifelong partner it would be him proving that like he knows her values he understands the reasoning behind all of her decision making and respecting those and i think not respecting them not respecting your partner's values and wishes is not partnership no matter what it is non fictionally if you're person your lover your partner is going through a big change the best thing you can do is to respect their boundaries and their wishes so if they ask you to give them space and you don't if they ask you to show up for big moments and you make excuses to get get out of it you're abdicating your responsibility as a partner and you're being a michael
1: (laughs) you're being a michael don't be a michael (laughs) But also do be a Michael sometimes because I, I really want Right, to I him. was going to say,
0: now we're going to go into the things he did well and there are things he does do well. He does well. a lot of things well. He does a lot of <laughs> things well too. But, in, you know, don't lie about Petra. <laughs> don't hide the affair. All right, let's talk about Janie first. Or little Janie. What does she what does she do well? What do we admire? You know,
1: I feel like this might contradict some things I've said in the past. But um I think when she tells Michael instead of having him find out by himself that her and Raphael kissed I know that's little uh-huh. but I think it's very it takes a lot of courage to tell somebody hey by the way this is like my soon-to-be baby da- daddy and also I kissed him five years ago as if that wasn't enough
0: oh no you're right because I've gone back and forth of like whether or not he needed to know and <laughs> whether or not he needed to know also about when she tells him and the priest that she had the sex dream about Raphael. will oh, yeah. see, well, she, she did not need to tell him <laughs> that. Maybe that one she did, but I think you're right. I think she is good at just being, like, making sure that he has all of the information. Yeah. She's very forthright. Besides, I think, when she breaks up with him, when she's withholding. Other than that, she's, like, pretty forthright with the information and how she's feeling.
1: Yeah, and sometimes maybe a little bit too much, I will say, that sometimes it is... It is too much and they don't need to know everything. But the fact that she is willing to not keep things kind of hidden from him, I think is very, especially because these things are like, things that really come into play later. Like, if she hadn't kissed Raphael, if it was just like a crush, things could have been different. But because they had that spark, it's good to tell Michael. Then he understands that, oh, there was a spark once. There could be a spark again and it's scary, but it is what it is.
0: I think she is trying to have Michael involved. I don't think she does any sort of like shutting him out of the process of having the baby so that she does well. And, and just, and we already spoke to this, but in general, I think she's really good at acknowledging how she feels and, and while she's, you know, not totally honest with Michael, when she ends it, she is always honest with herself. And I think, if she hadn't been honest with herself, she could have dragged her and Michael down a much messier path that could have involved like cheating and divorce and a lot more pain. And I, I don't think uh, in our real lives, acknowledging our feelings <laughs> means, well, I should leave my fiance for this guy I have a crush on. I think it rarely you know, justifies that. But I think acknowledging our feelings can save ourselves so much time and energy just by just by naming them. Like, okay, I'm attracted to this person. I have a crush on this person. I have chemistry with this person. And then go from there about what you what is the right thing to do. But I think if you're constantly in a place of like, what? I have no feelings. What are you talking about? What feeling? No, where? What? Why? How? And that kind of denial can be so emotionally exhausting and it's unsustainable. Like I think You'd have to be so withholding and closed off to keep all of that inside that if you don't end up cheating, that sort of like negative energy would continue to affect your whole relationship. So I give her credit for being honest with herself about how she feels, not only about Raphael, but about how she's angry with her mom, how she feels betrayed, how she feels awkward with her dad. She knows giving away the baby is going to be painful. I think her emotional honesty, it should be acknowledged as well as her emotional bravery.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And now let's go on to Michael.
0: And Michael. <laughs> I love him. And, like, we'll talk more about the love triangle aspects of what Michael does and does not do well. Today we're just talking about, the, like, partnership, being supportive. Because there are some, like, terrible things in the way he deals with Raphael. <laughs> yeah. But just to focus. Yeah. But just to focus this conversation about how he supports Jane's life during this. You know, one thing I'll say is, like, he learns fast.
1: Yeah, he learns fast. He applies whatever mistake he made in the past into how not to make it again. Yes. Yes. He learns from his
0: mistakes and he's not afraid to admit when he's wrong. Like, you know, when he is apologizing for lying about knowing about Petra's affair, he says, and, you know, maybe we'll play this little clip because it's pretty gorge.
1: You're right, Jane. What you said. This baby has come between us, and I was thinking about why, and the things I've done, and I realized that it it all stemmed from one thing. I've just been so afraid that you would want to keep it, that I'd have to raise some other guy's kid, and that, seriously, that felt like worst case scenario to me, but it's not. Worst case scenario is losing you it's not just some other guy's baby it's yours too and if you want it i am all in we'll we'll figure this out together we're gonna we're gonna do this together Maybe i don't want to keep it i know i'm just saying if you did whatever you want jane i'm here okay whatever you want
0: being willing to change and to sacrifice and adapt is essential in any relationship and that's that's something we can all learn from
1: yeah he's good at apologies He's good at apologizing. He mm-hmm. does this nice apology at when he asks her to quit her job. Yeah, which was also fucked up. Yeah, so fucked up. And he comes in with his phone playing the music. He's like, this is my telenovela moment. I loved that. It was mm-hmm.
0: I love that It too. was so
1: sweet and good on him for being able to apologize. It's hard for some people.
0: And it's really hard to like find good music to make out to, and he did a very nice job with that James Bay selection.
1: <laughs> and then he, when she goes do you have uh, a good kissing song on there? And he's like, do I have a good kissing song? Oh,
0: so good. And then he presses her against the locker and I felt so alone. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so that's all happening while she and Michael are still together. But I also think while there are things he doesn't do well once she leaves him for Raphael, I think like the best and the most romantic thing he does do and that I think we can all learn from In being there for someone, whether they're our partner or not, is that he continues to want the best for Jane. Even though I'm sure he's so angry, especially when she starts dating Raphael. And he could have taken it out on her because he's so angry. But I think if he had, especially with everything she's got going on in her life, he would have burned the bridge forever. You know, and the truth is that. He would never take it out on her because he loves her. and he doesn't want her to feel any pain. And I think this situation is kind of best demonstrated when um Alba is in the hospital and they threaten to deport her, which is just like a side note, I forgot how like political Jane the Virgin is, and I so appreciate it's it. so
1: good. I yeah, I hadn't said this. I mean, I haven't said this yet, but, like, I'm Mexican. and um my mom's Colombian. But watching a show where, like, with the south american grandma my colombian grandmother reminds me so much of her sometimes just the Mm -hmm. way the faith comes into it and everything just Mm -hmm. this show really does a nice job of like i could really relate to so many things that i couldn't quite relate to in other shows um sure yeah and it's it's yeah they do a really good job
0: yeah, and just in that plot line where Alba's she's in the hospital and it's through her being in the hospital that Ice finds out that she's here illegally. Like they have like one of their little captions. They're like, by the way, this is a real thing that happened. Like change immigration policies. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, good for you, Jane the Virgin. Michael is the one that makes the problem go away. He you know, calls in and he's like, We need her in the country because she's a key witness in this murder investigation. And, you know, while he tells Zoe that he did it, he also tells her not to tell Jane because he says he doesn't want it to seem like he did this because he's trying to win her back. And I think that's the best energy you
1: can bring. Oh, so good because he didn't need to make her life more difficult. He didn't need to add another decision that she would have to feel like she would have to make. Totally. That's exactly it.
0: Because that he was truly wanting the best over her was to take care of the problem, and not put more on her plate. Yeah,
1: that's yeah, that's a good, re- really good team Michael moment. Because beforehand he shows a little bit of pettiness, but then he's always able to turn mm-hmm. it off when it is something serious. Like even right yes. before then, in the they're they're stuck in an elevator, mm-hmm. and he says a petty comment about how Raphael doesn't know what's going on in the hotel, and then she breaks down into like what she's going through and he just shuts it off and he is just mm-hmm. all ears. Yeah.
0: So be all ears, Michael, not petty. Michael. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I support pettiness a lot of the time, but you can't be petty when you know the person you love is going through trauma. Yeah. That's when you got to shut, it, shut down. it down. I have a question. I have an answer. I have a hot button issue. So uh, let's talk about it. If you're Michael in this situation and you truly think in your gut, that your Jane is going through a lot and they just need some time in space and they will eventually realize that they still want to be with you. Do you wait? Let me
1: tell you, I feel very strongly about this topic. Go ahead. Go. No, no, you don't. You absolutely do not because you can hold, like keep yourself stuck and like, you can keep yourself wanting this person, but you don't know what the other person is going through and it no. can easily yeah. just take a turn and you'll never be together ever again. I, you know, they say good things happen to those who wait, not when the waiting is in someone else's control. Do you know what I mean by that?
0: I 100% do. I think waiting is one of those things that is romanticized so much. But everything that I've gathered from my non-fictional life, I would never, ever advise somebody to wait on somebody else, especially when they've moved on romantically. Because I think most of the time, they're not coming back for you.
1: No, they're not. And asking someone to wait is being like, okay, hold on. Stay in this street corner. I'll be right back. And they might never Mm -hmm. come back for you. And you're going to be sitting no. there freezing and lonely <laughs> and sad that you're all... Your and in
0: the bar taking shots and, like, having it's hot sex right. with a guy with a skate
1: pack. Exactly. But if you say, hey, like, I'll meet up with you. <laughs> Which direction are you going? Okay, great. I'll see you there, maybe. And then you're walking, going about your life, and you see them again, then maybe that's okay.
0: Yeah, no, but I know what you're saying because it's like, they're probably not coming back. And even if they are... It's not you standing on the street corner that's convincing them that they want you. It's you walking down the street. It's you moving forward and finding a way to live your best life. Like the energy you give off while pining and waiting is never going to be as attractive as the energy you exude by productively pursuing your best life. Exuding that energy, the walking down the street energy, strutting down the street, strutting down the street. (laughs) releasing pheromones (laughs) is the energy that will attract the right kind of people. And maybe it is the person you were once in love with. And maybe it's not. I think I would have done what Rogelio did, which is tell Michael, you know, Michael, I think Jane and Raphael are going to last and you should stop waiting. And maybe that's not having a ton of quote unquote faith, which is something this show likes to focus on. But I think what you do have to have faith in is not a particular person. I think you have to have faith that the right person will want you at your
1: best. Yes. So you have to keep trying to live your best life. Absolutely. It's it's oh. asking someone to wait is asking someone to get stuck.
0: Especially if you're moving on romantically. Because I do, here's what I do ship. I do ship patience. And I think that if Raphael wasn't involved, if Jane was just dealing with all of these changes in her life and she said Michael I love you as you said earlier I just need to put off this engagement for a while because I need some time to be present with this then of course you wait if you if they're your life partner and they're you know and they're like I want you to be a part of this I just can't rush into anything right now and then of course you wait you just don't wait like we said if they're going inside the bar and taking tequila shots with somebody like <laughs> that's not fair. yeah
1: and they might leave in a taxi with them in
0: another direction. Yeah, but they can, you can wait if they're like in the hospital or in the church. <laughs> you can wait. Not if they're at the bar. Nope. I hope everyone's tracking this metaphor because we're really on board. With it. <laughs> oh, oh. okay. So that's about it for part one of many conversations we have to have, we're going to have about this relationship. Uh, but before we wrap up the episode, we're going to play a fun little game. So this game is called Do You Ship It? And it's going its going to help us, you know, get to know uh, Ximena better, our new host. And it's also just going to give us a chance to cover some of the many, many themes that come up with the show. So, you know, as you know, general uh, shipping... <laughs> shipping culture uh the combination of two things and whether you or not you support the combination of those things um and so we're going to try to go you know full rojelio or full us weekly and uh create ship names for some of these uh combinations of things for example (laughs) just to get everyone real on board with this the first one is jimena do you ship it famlationships and what I mean by that is your family being involved in your romantic relationships
1: because boy, Jane, is Jane's. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. It is actually a pet peeve of mine. You know, I think if your family has something negative to say, they should just keep it to themselves. Because mm-hmm. I think if I go on to have, to be with someone that I truly love and my mom says something, I'm not, I would freak out.
0: Yeah, you'd question everything. Yeah, so
1: no. I, that's a no for me.
0: Would you want them to tell you if they felt like something was a true red flag? Or is that something you want to learn on your own?
1: No, I think I would rather hear a true red flag from a friend. Mm, okay. You know? Well, good to know. Good. I'll note it. Okay, this is called the glow no. Like, <laughs> like glow no. <laughs> Which is when you feel that, like, oh, your heart glowing, kind of like they feel it. Oh, their heart glowing. The heart glowing for the person that you know isn't right. The glowing hearts is
0: one of the parts of Jade the Virgin that I wish I didn't identify with, but I do... I mean, I would like to say I don't ship it, but I've definitely been there. Like, I definitely feel like I have felt the actual sensation in my heart that I've gone, oh, no. Like, I literally have said, oh, no, out loud to myself before when I felt myself attracted to somebody I didn't want to be attracted to.
1: Yep. That's the low no.
0: My next uh, question for you. Do you ship it? Trushing. <laughs> this is a combination of truth and crushing. And it is Do you tell the truth when you have a crush on somebody you shouldn't? Would you tell if you had if you were in a relationship and you were having a if you had a crush on someone else, would you tell them? So here's my
1: thing is the like more grounded version of myself is like, no, sometimes they Mm -hmm. don't need to know. However, Mm -hmm. the majority of me, which is this spazzy human that can't keep a secret, says, no, don't do it. So, yes, I ship it. You ship it because you I wouldn't tell them. I would tuba. not be able to keep a... Like, I would start acting so weird that, yes, <laughs> I I need to tell the truth about my crushing.
0: Yeah, because you would be, Jane. You would accidentally fall in the pool, like, trying to keep yourself <laughs> away
1: from them. Um, uh, yeah. Okay, I have this one. Exchanges. So Ooh. it's those moments exchanged by an ex that bring you back to the closeness of the relationship.
0: Uh, no, I don't ship it because those are so dangerous they can be so powerful my <laughs> last one for you <laughs> maybe the dumbest one <laughs> is danger like b-a-e bay <laughs> being in a relationship with someone with like kind of a dangerous job
1: i don't think i ship it i'm such a hypochondriac such a i have lots of fears like a dangerous job involving guns like michael specifically yeah. Absolutely not. I could not. <laughs> the last one that I have is fam-ments. <laughs> it is those moments where any member, family member, that has given you advice in the past pops up in your head right as they shouldn't. Ugh. And sometimes it's helpful, but sometimes.
0: Yeah. You know what? I have to say that I do ship it because I think of some advice like that my mom or my aunt or my dad has given me that. And I don't, we're, you know, we're not really a sit on the porch and give advice (laughs) kind of family, but there are certain things that stick with me that have been really helpful, especially, I mean, honestly, they've mostly been helpful in like breakups, but that's valuable too. So yeah. So yeah, if you're listening, guys, keep giving me advice, I guess, because apparently it's it's working. It's coming up. Oh, my gosh. I love that. That is a do you ship it, everyone? (laughs) And so you can let us know on social media if you ship these things. Yes, please. So that's all we have this episode. Next episode, we're, of course, diving into the love triangle. Why she does what she does, who we would pick, how they handle it. And then, you know, how you make it work in your life when you have to deal, when all members of the love triangle have to continue to uh, be in each other's lives, because that's not easy. But until that time, you can find us on social media at Ship Podcast. You can find me on social media at OnlyMegan815. That's Megan with no H. Thank you very much. And Ximena, do you want to share with everyone where you, they can find you on social media?
1: Yeah. You can find me on Instagram um, under he at he Medi X I M E M E D I. Okay,
0: everyone. Hibana, thank you for joining oh me. Gosh. I'm so excited for the rest of our season and everyone will be here every Thursday, continuing to break down uh, Jane, the Virgin. So tune in every Thursday. And if you had a good time, leave us a review, give us uh, some stars and we will see you